It's the 1950s all over again, but instead of figuring out how to deploy and defend against nuclear weapons, we're faced with developing offensive and defensive policies regarding cyber. Larry Kramer is president of the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation, which this past week gave $15 million each to the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, Stanford University, and the University of California at Berkeley to establish academic initiatives to lay the foundation for smart, sustainable public policy to deal with growing cyber threats. Imagine it's 1950, and the U.S. and Russia are engaged in an arms race, right? Each side building as many bombs as they can, trying to make them bigger than the other guy, looking over their shoulders at each other and heading straight for nuclear holocaust. Fortunately, in that period, some people came along, John von Neumann, you know, Tom Schelling and some others, and, and developed a kind of policy framework, a way to think about this race that the actors in it could embrace and that would keep us from, you know, the Holocaust. And that was the mutually assured destruction strategy of conflict set of ideas. We think cyber is in that place now. It's like 1950. It's more complicated and more actors, but everybody's kind of plunging ahead, dealing with what's in front of them without thinking, how is this supposed to work out in the long run? And what this initiative is designed to do and these initial grants designed to help kick off is getting people to think about that bigger problem so that we have the cyber analog of mutually assured destruction, a framework that people can use to prevent this from turning into a disaster and make it work for everybody. But Kramer sees limits in the parallels between public policies that led to mutually assured destruction and cyber defense and says he doesn't believe we can easily adapt nuclear policies to cyber. Well, a lot of people are coming in thinking, oh, the security framework, we can just take the way we thought about nuclear security and plots it on top of it. Or, oh, the privacy framework, we've got a whole rich body of privacy law. We can just plug it in here and give people the same protection. And the fact is that the underlying changes are so profound that you really need to rethink all the assumptions. You know, it's like we used to travel by horses. And we developed the law to govern that. And when the car comes in, you can't take the tort law that existed for horses and just apply it to cars because so many of the assumed things are different. Suddenly there's more people traveling. The risks are higher. The injuries are bigger. You know, everything's different. So you need to step back and rethink how should we think about that framework in this new situation. So all that needs to be rethought. Do you feel that we're in this situation because professionals are too busy just trying to deal with security that they really don't have the time to reflect on that? Yes, I think that's been a big part of the problem. And the natural inclination we always have is just to deal with the issues that are right in front of us. Do we believe we have frameworks because we always take the existing ones we have and just think we can apply them? Where the changes are so profound that you actually need to step back and rethink even the larger frameworks. Beyond calling on the universities to develop programs to expedite cybersecurity policy, the Hewlett Foundation is leaving it to each institution to decide how to spend the money. We have no position on what the right policy is. It's premature to really take strong positions on, you know, how we ought to be balancing privacy and data security and because there has been too little thought. One of the few requirements of the grant is for each university to take a multidisciplinary approach to cybersecurity policymaking, incorporating not just the ideas of cybersecurity engineers and developers, but from experts in politics, economics, and policy as well. We let them sort of come to us with what they thought their particular expertise was. So in the case of Berkeley, for instance, they thought the maybe a way to approach this where they had interested faculty and faculty strength was to think about scenario planning. 
sketch out a bunch of possible scenarios, do some preliminary research on those scenarios and their plausibility, and then with the ones that seem both most likely and important, do deeper research after that, while bringing in people from government and industry to help think them through and, and so on. The MIT focus is really around the idea of developing some metrics and measures to move the field forward to really have a you know more detailed understanding of how to think about what successful policy is or isn't. Stanford's approach was to focus around um, a couple of important substantive problems, in particular trustworthiness and governance. Governance is a huge problem. And also to do that with an overlay of, you know, one of the really interesting things about technology is we launch a new technology with a particular set of objectives in mind typically economic, right? We're going to get more efficiencies. We're going to get productivity increases. But the longer-term effects of most of these technologies tend to be more sociocultural. So you need to have that in mind as you think about policy in the areas of governance, trustworthiness as well. They overlap, all three. They each sort of work off those university strengths. They will collaborate with each other. And, of course, one of the things we absolutely hope and expect will happen is other universities that have also been kind of nosing around in the area will, will move in much more deeply. And there are some really strong existing programs out there. We're hoping to begin to see some real synergies, and that's what we mean by the idea of growing a field, right? It's having more activity with people really working with and exchanging information, ideas, students, generating new experts and students into the field and so on. And how would Kramer know the $45 million invested was worth it? He says he'll know if he sees increased collaboration on cybersecurity policy, more articles on the subject area published in leading journals, new cybersecurity policy degree programs established at universities, and that other organizations fund projects to promote cybersecurity policy. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro.